Homestyle Green Podcast, Episode 69, Box Living with Dan Hayworth. G'day, Matthew Cutler-Welsh here again for another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the show all about inspiring people to build a better place to live. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, I had the great pleasure of talking with Dan Hayworth. Now, Dan is the founder of a little company called, well, I say little, then they, they were little, but they're, they're pretty big now. Uh, Dan's company is called Box Living, and you may have heard of Box Living. They've been making a little bit of a splash recently, and I'm lucky enough to have some friends who have actually used Box Living just down the road from our place, and I watched that house being built. It took a little while. Unfortunately, their, their section, they, they chose a very tricky section. Uh, so the the length of that project was more to do with the um, the big slope that they were building a, a house on, which was a challenging section by any measure. So the fact that any company was able to produce what's turned out to be quite a beautiful um, home uh, it was very impressive and a and a a, um, a good tick for box living. So it was great to catch up with Dan, and then I also uh, coincidentally had the opportunity to go around and visit his one of his products uh, and visit my friends at their new box living house. Now Dan is from uh, New Zealand originally, but grew up in the UK and then came back here. And like a lot of people who have spent some time overseas pretty appalled at what he saw in terms of, of houses, but he's got, he had an interesting take on it. He um, knew that the houses were, were pretty poor standard, uh, the, the general building stock in New Zealand, but he was keen to do something about that and didn't um, come at that just from a, a, a building structure point of view, but he's got a, a philosophy, I guess, about architecture, and a very interesting point about Box Living Company is that they are actually a registered architectural company and they have uh, the builders uh, as well. So they do building and architecture. But the, here's the key is that Dan and his team don't want that to be a put-off for people. And he acknowledges that architecture is a put-off for a lot of people. And in fact, architects only see about 5% of the homes that are built in New Zealand. And that's common across a few other countries as well, I think. So um, just reading from his website, he believes that the problem with custom-designed architectural homes are the length of time they take to produce, their complexity, and the uncertainty of cost. And those are all things that Dan is pretty passionate about um, fixing, and he has a bigger vision of trying to get more houses seen by an architect. For more on that, I started out by asking Dan why he does what he does. Um, it is a challenge. We, we've got such a poor um, range and quality of houses here in New Zealand uh, that when I first came over here, we thought, okay, there's got to be a huge opportunity here to improve the quality of uh, housing uh, both in terms of its sort of durability and energy efficiency and design. And a lot of that came back to issues we had with the way that houses were being designed and built here. 
And generally, you have two options. You have uh, the architecture route. Yep. So you can go to an architect and you can say, okay, here's my plot of land. I want this, you know, fabulous bells and whistles house. Yeah. And they'll do that. They'll design you something that is um, creatively wonderful and is a prototype. Uh, it's never been built before. It's unique. It's a mm. one-off. Or you go the other end of the spectrum where you've got house companies and house companies uh, will build you a structurally efficient house. It will be relatively big and uh, you know efficient to build. So it'll be more affordable. Um, the, so structurally efficient and efficient to build. So what, Sorry, cheap? <laughs> so cheap, well, they're builders. So they know how to build cost-effectively. Yeah. You know, simple things like keeping spans down to um, certain distances. Right. And keeping joinery at certain heights. Yep. Um, keeping the layout, or not the layout, but the building envelope rather rather compact or rather efficient. So they know how to do these things and build houses that are more cheap or affordable, yeah. but at the expense of good design. Yeah. Why, why is – what do you mean by good design? Well, good design is intrinsic to the way that a house will um, impact the quality of, of your life, you know, the quality of the spaces. Right. Um something that's been designed with the sun in mind, uh, rooms that have been designed um, so that they're proportionally correct, they feel good, uh, little things like storage, um, houses that are um, cost-effective to run, um, houses that don't have wasted space. I think um, you know it's, it's very true that if you can't design a house well, design it big. And that's what we see in New Zealand. We see a lot of house companies designing very large houses um, because that helps the presentation of the square meter rate. Um, it's always it's also uh, well known that it's harder to design a house um, that is tight and um, smaller without yeah. sacrificing the quality of space. So we end up building big houses for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's easier because you just make it bigger to fit everything in. And secondly, there's this thing, price per, per square metre, which I've talked about quite a lot before, but the easiest way to get the price per square metre down, if you're comparing houses for a group home builder, is to make it bigger. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. There are many things that drive the price per square metre. Size is one of those things, whether it's 100 square metres or 200 square metres, you're still going to have one kitchen. Yeah. Um, you're probably still going to have two bathrooms. So those are the expensive parts of a house. Yeah. So you're still going to have those, whether it's a small house or a large house. So the larger the house is, then that drives down the cost per square meter because you still have the same number of expensive yeah, bits. Yeah, you're just adding on house. cheaper bits. You're adding on cheap cheap space. You know, the bigger your garage is, the more that that will drive down the cost yeah, per square yeah. meter. Yeah, Because a garage yeah. is, is very cheap space. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things. The other things that... Uh, reduces the or brings down the cost per square meter rate uh, is uh, joinery. Um, the the smaller the joinery is more expensive than or windows and doors. Let's say is more expensive than walls. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the more wall you have, the cheaper it is to build. Um, and of, also, you know, standard trusses using standard trusses and standard building details. 
are going to make it easier, quicker, and cheaper to build too. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's not to say that um, you can't use standard building details uh, in an architecturally designed house, but simple things like light, um, making, uh, using better quality of materials, um, components within a house is going to cost more. Yeah, yeah. Let's go come back to you. You were born in New Zealand, but you've been away for a, you went away for a little while, came back again. Tell us about what happened when you came back. You were looked around, you saw what was being built, and you weren't satisfied, or you were a bit shocked by what was available for the standard houses. What what did you do then? Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, we came back to New Zealand uh, having left when um, I was very little. So the whole concept of steel roofs and single glazed windows uh, was very strange. I mean, the, the housing was a, a very different standard and quality to the one I'd been used to in Europe. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we came back here and we, we just looked at the quality of housing and thought there's got to be an opportunity here. Mm -hmm to design and build houses that are, um, I guess we called them at the time sustainable, but what we really meant by that is the basics of good design. Uh, energy efficient, warm, dry, durable. Um, and that was that was really what, what, what it was all about. And, and I think good design is inherently more sustainable. Yep. And uh, we thought that there's, there's got to be more people like us um, who think the same way. And we started a... Who wanted a decent house. Who wanted a decent yeah. house, a warm house. A lot of people coming over from Europe saying, look, we've been looking around for, for, for months and months and we can't find a house that yeah. we would want to live in. Uh, so we're going to buy a piece of land and yep. have a house commissioned. Right. And so this is what people were telling you? This is what people were telling us. Mm -hmm. And we set up a, a project management company that pulled in the architect and the builder yep. to design houses that had a sustainable edge. Right. Because um, you're not a builder by trade, right? No, I'm not a builder and I'm not an architect, which actually puts me in a very privileged position because I… For a I, building company. I, <laughs> Someone who builds houses. That's right. Well, it's uh, it's all about, um, I think, historically, builders and architects uh, have been two ends of the spectrum. Uh -huh. So I'm neither a, a builder. I, I I remain impartial, you know. I, yep. I, I kind of have a foot in both camps. And the way I see it is um, from a sort of business model perspective, how can we get builders and architects working better together. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a um, natural interest and always have done in art and architecture, but I've also got a, a keen interest in making things work better. My previous training has been around business models yeah. and making businesses work better. Right. And I think we saw an opportunity here in New Zealand um, to make that whole business model of using an architect to design your house much more affordable right? and work to the benefit of the majority of people. Um, the fact is that 5% um, of people, only about 5% of the people in New Zealand have used an architect or can afford to. Yeah. And we just thought that that was wrong. You had a lot of fantastically creative and well-qualified people who were designing fantastic houses for such a, a small number, minority of the population. 
and there is something very wrong about that. Yeah. So and also typically that all that hard work goes into one house and then it's done. Yeah. It's never really repeated. Yeah. So each house is a prototype, and yeah, sure, architects um, come up with ideas and they'll reuse some of them, but you pay such a huge amount of money in terms of architectural fees. Uh, for something that is unique, and that's what people employ architects for. They want yeah, something yeah. that is very unique. So, is there a similar trend overseas? I mean, we, we can't be the only country that has only five percent of people who use an architect, can we? No, I think uh, overseas, though, there is a lot more understanding of the value of an architect, and people are willing right. to invest a lot more in using an architect. Um, I think overseas a lot uh, people live um, more more often in in um, apartments mm-hmm. or terraced houses or um, semi-detached homes. Yeah. And these um, developments, especially nowadays, are designed with architects and and, and good designers. Spaces at a premium, and I yeah, think yeah. people have understood that in order to design a small house well, it does take someone who. Uh, has the experience and is well qualified in in designing that. Yeah, yeah. So the smaller you go, the more important it is to have someone who really knows what they're doing. Yeah. It comes yeah. back to the whole thing we were talking about earlier is if you can't design it small, if you can't design it well, design it big. Yeah. Yeah. So because we've been spoiled with availability of land and that's probably right. similar to Australia and parts of the US as well. They yeah. can just sprawl and make it bigger. That's right. It hasn't become an issue. We've got a very uh mild uh climate really yeah. so thing you know energy has been cheap historically yeah so we haven't had to really be concerned about things like energy efficiency the cost of running a house mm. plenty of timber cheap mm. building material mm. and lots of land what do you think about architectural designers as opposed to architects i think there are some very good architectural designers um i think it depends where their area of focus is architectural you know on one hand you've got architects mm-hmm. On the other hand, you've got draftspeople. Yeah. And then you've also got builders. Yeah. So architects are um, really are on a hiding to nothing. They have to be pretty much pretty good at everything. Yeah. Um, they have to have a really good sound uh, technical knowledge. Uh, they have to understand the uh, intricacies of building. Mm-hmm. But I think what really drives architects is is finding solutions to uh, spatial problems yeah yeah and they tend to be of a much more sort of creative ilk yeah you find that drafts people are a lot more technical they're interested in the nuts and bolts yeah. um uh, literally how yeah. that house is going to get put together so they're looking yeah. at it from a much more technical point of view uh, i don't think their strengths are as uh they're, they're, their strengths are not in design or solving yeah. spatial problems and you, I mean, men- you mentioned before things like proportion and light and and those things, which I think are, are quite overwhelming or just a little bit too hard for people to get their yeah. head around if they're not haven't been trained in in that. And so it's a it, like you say, it's a seven year training yeah. uh, to just yeah. to get your foot in the door in, in architecture. That's right, and and, and how the house relates spatially to to the land that's available. Um, yeah. And I think it's it takes a certain kind of person to be able to put all that together and see it in their head and then put it down on paper. And one of the issues that we have or that I've seen quite frequently mm-hmm. is clients will come in having paid a lot of money for an architect 
and then they won't trust the advice that the architect is yeah. giving them. Yeah. Even though this person may have designed a hundred, two hundred houses. Yeah. In their careers, and um, they still um, don't trust the you know the designs or, or the things that the architect is telling them, even though they're paying them a lot of money. Why is that? It's just because they can't imagine it. They right. don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And I don't think they also realize the amount of experience or the depth of experience that these people have. Yeah. yeah. It is quite difficult to communicate. They generally see it in terms of the aesthetics. Oh, I like the, I like the style of this architect. I like what he's done aesthetically. Yeah. But there is so much more to architecture or good architecture yeah. than that. Well, it's, it, I find that with all things to do with uh, selling houses, it's all visual. It's all about what the houses look like. In fact, most of the, the stuff that you see about housing online or books and magazines, it's all visual. It's very hard to get across those concepts of warmth and comfort yeah. and and health, really, and, yeah. and the um, how good that house is actually going to look after people. They're really hard concepts to They're hard get concepts, and actually they're pretty boring concepts. Oh, they're totally the boring. It's not, uh, insulation is so unsexy when you compare it to yeah. the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, So it's all that packaging that, is really important, yeah, yeah, um, and actually does add to people's enjoyment. But it's like a new car, you know, you get bored of it after a while, yeah, and uh, you're just going to go and remodel your kitchen in five years' time yeah. because you, you, you know, this year granite's out and Korean is in. So, so now you're 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 not an architect either. Um, so where do you come in uh, to the picture? Well, where I came in was saying, okay, we've got the architects on one hand and we've got the builders on the other hand. Yep. And the architects are only servicing, you know, the top 5%. Yeah. And the builders are getting, you know, the rest of it. And it's really not helping the quality of housing stock that we have in this country. Yeah, yeah. And I would drive through various developments, whether it's sort of Gulf Harbour up north or, you know, somewhere down south and go, these are just amazing lost opportunities. Yeah. You know, whether it's Gulf Harbour, whether it's Stonefields, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to come up with a business model that enables people to afford good architectural design. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, gives them uh, some certainty of cost, which is what the house companies are very good at doing. Right. And show people that we can use uh, an architect to design them the house, that they, first of all, can afford to have that architectural service. And mm -hmm. then secondly, they can get that certainty of cost and enjoy a really nicely designed house. And so now that's basically what you offer with so Box? That's what Box does. So we've, we've come up with, um, you know, this business model, which is pretty unique. I think we're the only company that I know of that is both, a registered architectural practice and a construction company. Yep. So we have many skills under under the same roof. We have architects, an interior designer, draftspeople, uh, estimators, project managers, builders, mm -hmm. um, all working on projects at the same time. So one thing, for instance, that is a big difference uh, normally in architectural. Um, service works from the top down you start with the architect and it flows yeah. through from him to the draftsperson to the qs yeah uh down to the builder 
our projects, we conceive them very much as a, a team. So, you know, the architect is no longer at the top of the food chain. Right. It's very much a um, team effort where the builder or one of our project managers will go to site and say, okay, we've got these issues we need to overcome. So right. Logistically in terms of building the house, the yeah. architect will come and go, okay, well, this is what the brief is and – uh, this is what would work really well on the house. Right. And the QS will come in and go, right, okay, we need to be aware of these things because these are going to be really costly. You're yep. going to need an in-ground barrier pile. We'll also take 25K off your uh, initial assumptions, yeah, Mr. Right. Architect. You know? so, so they know that right from the start. They know that. So what we do at Box is at the time we do a concept, we're also pricing it immediately. Yeah, right. And we're saying, here's the concept design and this is how much it's going to cost. Yep. And presumably your builder's also checking that it's buildable. That's right. And the architect's not, not yeah, creating well, some amazing thing. That The way we're able to do this is because we've got a standard kit of parts. Right. Now tell us about that because you do you utilize some prefabrication as well, don't you? Yeah. So the, the key to making this work and reducing the architectural costs is to reuse the same building components and the same mm -hmm. building details time and time again. But the trick is… So you're getting away from that pro prototyping… That's right. Idea. So you're using a standard set, a standard building system. Mm -hmm. um, but the trick is that this has to be flexible enough for the architect to go, okay, um, you know, I think it's going to work really well if the house is dimensioned like this on this site or yep. like this on this side and it's single story here and it's going to be two story here or it's going to be two story with an overhang here. Yeah. And we've got to be able to accommodate a certain amount of flexibility because no two sites are the same. Yeah. They're all very different in terms of access, orientation, size, brief, budget, all those things. And that's getting more and more important, isn't it, with, with infill? And yeah, so infill has its own challenges. Yeah. Um, so we do have to restrict the architect. So that's where the modularity comes in, where we try yeah. and build in uh, 600 mil uh, increments, right? which both um, – helps in terms of waste, uh, uh, waste reduction. It always means that we can design components for those um, particular sizes. You know, a, a sheet of jib is about 1,200 or a sheet, sheet of ply is about 1,200 wide yeah. as well. Yeah. And then we have a standard sizes or, or widths of windows. Right. Um, no, that's, that's novel for New Zealand. It <laughs> is. Very, windows. Well, you know, again, this is one of the issues with New Zealand is that the whole industry is so fragmented. And everything's bespoke. Everything's bespoke. There are so many builders, so many suppliers of this, that, yeah. and the other. And you can have any single um, uh, shape or uh, dimension of window that you yeah. want. I mean, the, the great, you know, you go to somewhere in France and you go to their DIY store, the equivalent of Mitre 10, yeah. and you'll pick up a um, large double glazed door for, uh, you know, 200 bucks. You know, they are really cheap because they will produce them in volume. Yeah. And when architects and designers are designing a house, they um, know that, okay, we, you know, if we want to build this house or design it cost effectively, we are going to use the standard mitre 10 yep. size door. This is the size of it. Yeah. Because yeah. we know that that is half price, if not more than one that is an extra 20 mil wider. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, it, it is a very sort of fragmented industry. So, yeah. You know, by getting everyone under one roof, uh, as we do in Box, uh, you know, having national supply agreements with most of the major suppliers, right. dealing in standard components, some of which 
as you said, we can make offsite. Yep. So, for instance, our posts and beams are uh, cut, drilled, uh, routed, painted offsite. We have proprietary brackets that get made mm -hmm. up by um, our metal fabricators. Yep. And these then all come to site, and we assemble the house on site. Right. Uh, rather than construct it. Now, is that a lot faster? Yes, it is. It does. Yeah. It saves time because some of that prefabrication is is being done while the house is in consent. Yeah, right. Um, and there's a there's a huge amount of potential here in New Zealand for prefabricating elements of a building, whether yeah. they're wall cassettes or floor cassettes or roof cassettes, and those are the kind of things that we are at box getting into now and saying, okay, can we take this a step further and have larger uh, parts of the building fabricated off-site, flat-packed, right. brought to site, and then yeah. assembled. Right. And then the trick is to reduce the number of components you have as much as you can. Yeah. You know, someone said, you know, it's got to be simple, but no simpler. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. still have got to uh, keep um, enough um, of a, a sort of library, for one of a better word, of, of components or set of components. Yeah. Uh, to be flexible enough to be able to respond to people's briefs and sites mm, and make mm. houses feel as though they're individual, yet they are still being built out of the same standard components. Individual and, and complete as well. And I, I, you've mentioned on your website where you are able to do, um, with modular design, build to what's needed right now with the potential to add on to that home later in someone's yeah. time in that in that place so if they only need two bedrooms now just only two only do two bedrooms and yeah that's done, right have you done a bit of that Were yeah you... we've done a lot of that um it's very popular people come and say look i want my four bedroom mansion but i can only afford the two bedroom yeah. version at this stage and what's really important then is what we call the master plan right so, so you've got the end in mind you, you got the end in mind you yeah. can design that at day one and yeah. you end up saying okay well we're going to cut the house through here and we know that the addition is going to work. Yeah, right. And you start off with that two bed knowing that it can expand or or as we've done in the past actually we've we've designed a single level knowing that we're able to put a second story right using the same system in the future and yep. the downstairs you know structurally is is going to be able to support that. Yeah, yeah. Um it's an interesting one because what generally happens is people will start living in a house and yep. their lifestyle might change. They might have an extra kid or mm -hmm. they might actually not have as many kids as they thought. Yeah. And I think you'd find that if you went back to those people five years later, their whole concept of what they need in a house or how they right. need the house to be in the future is going to be different from the brief that they yeah, came to yeah. initially. Yeah. Yeah. And I and you know that happens more often than not. Which is very interesting when you consider the people that buy a four bedroom house because that's what they get told they're going to need or it's yeah. going to be important for resale. Yeah. But then could potentially have got away with a much smaller house. Yeah, that's right. And mm. you know sometimes the the mother in law just goes down and sleep out at the bottom of the garden. Yeah. It's a lot. It's yeah. a much cheaper alternative. That's right. Get warm all year. Hey, look, we should, uh, we're going to have to wrap up shortly. Um, it sounds like things are going really well for Box Living. You had a yeah. uh, great year last year. How many houses did you build last year? Uh, we built about uh, 10, 15 houses last year. We've been doubling every year 
since we went at it full time, which was about three, four years ago. Right, which is great. And you're operating all over the country? Yeah, we are. We're, we're operating from Matapuri up north down to Wanaka in the south. Yeah. We are focused on the Auckland area. Right. And we are at the moment uh, talking with building partners as well around the country. Yep. Um, but yeah, we because it's we a great, are, like um, you say, it's a great system can, that would be useful anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. In yeah. The as long as you you like architectural modernism. Yeah. And um, and you've got an interest in architecture and good spaces. And that, if people don't necessarily have a picture of architectural modernism, uh, you've got some great images on your website and a good. Good library there, and in fact, I there's a great YouTube video as well, isn't there? Yeah, some that's of your, right. Uh, some yeah, of your recent work at uh, www.boxliving.co.nz. There are yep. um, a number of videos and uh, lots of images, um, and it's it's a style really that that that's um, been around for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's timeless. I really like on your website as well how you've gone into some of the history and talked about people like Frank Lloyd Wright and and some of the influences yeah. of your thinking. And I would encourage people not to get put off by that if they're thinking that this is all sounding pretty high end and and um, hints at good architecture. Because I think what you are achieving out there is is that good architecture. And you you mentioned it before it's architecture for the ninety five percent as opposed to the five percent. So hopefully it's a way that people can see that they can afford that good design. Yeah. Uh, and and it's accessible to most people. That's right. I think one of the challenges that we have is uh, persuading people the benefits of a well-designed house mm. because quite often a lot of clients who come to us haven't had the opportunity to live in a yeah. nice, light, well-proportioned, well-built home. They're certainly the minority in New Zealand. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, and then you also have the people who come to us having watched Grand Designs yeah. and – uh, believe those houses are affordable as well, right? You know, right. and all the houses you get in, you know, home and urbis and so on. What I call house porn, and people yeah. come and they go, yeah. "Yeah, this is kind of you know how I see myself living." So, yeah, yeah. boxes it sort of sits between the, those two camps. We do offer that sort of that architectural wowness, yeah. but also without certainty of cost and um, you know some element of predictability. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Dan. Really appreciate it. So if people want to find out more, it's uh, boxliving.co.nz. That's right. Or one word. That's right. Is that the best place for people to get in touch with you? Yep. Go to the website first, and then we've got a contact form, and you can just uh, send us a note, and I'll get in touch directly. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Well, there you go. That was Dan Hayworth from Box Living, and you can check out the show notes for this episode at homestylegreen.com slash 69. That's 69. Um, and little uh, points that I took out, there were lots of gems in that episode, but I, I tried to narrow it down to three. Um, Dan made a really good point about prototyping and the fact that a lot of bespoke houses are pretty much a, a, um, a prototype of a house. It's almost like the architect is is trying a few things out, testing them for the first time. It's what you'd expect in a car analogy for someone to put on, not put out for, for mass consumption. They'd put it out as a prototype and they'd tweak a few things and change it. But with houses, we, we seem to 
have this idea that it's okay to do these one-offs and assume that everything's going to be okay. So that's a really interesting idea that if we can see bespoke design as prototyping, what can we take from bespoke design and good design and learn from that and what the benefits, therefore, of repeating some of the aspects of that design. Secondly, good design will impact the quality of life. And this underlines a lot of what I keep coming back to about the power that you have, if you're in this industry, to influence people's lives. And it's not just about putting things together and um, getting getting dirty and at the end of the day having a, a house to, to sell. The amount of time that people do spend inside their homes, you can't not have an impact on their lives. Not to mention just how they feel about um, on a day-to-day basis inside that home. So good design will have an impact on the quality of life. That's a huge opportunity and also a responsibility. And finally, we talked a lot about size, and Dan mentioned a couple of things. Uh, One quote I particularly like from another article, Dan's been quoted as saying, there's nothing sustainable about building a house, uh, which is a little bit controversial. But uh, another quote from this episode, it's harder to design a small house. And I think that is so true. It's easy to add things to a house. And when you've got plenty of space, you can just spread it out and add more and more stuff and more and more space. And of course, we know that that's an easy way to reduce the price per square meter as well, which is something that often gets done to make a house look more attractive when you compare it to others. But it's a false economy because at the end of the day, you're buying more stuff and you're probably going to fill it up with more stuff and you're then also going to have to pay more to keep it warm and comfortable and you're probably going to, it's going to take longer to clean it as well. So the concept of downsizing or or keeping a house compact and using flexible spaces um, is a good one. And the reality is, is there's actually quite hard to do good design and and keep a house small. And that is just what Box have done. And I mentioned at the top top end of the show, I went and had a look at one of Dan's products and I was pretty impressed. Uh, it was a four-bedroom house, and it was it was not big, but it didn't feel cramped. And there's plenty of spaces in the right places, like in the living area and the lounge and kitchen. We had a, a good dinner party there, lots of people. Uh, didn't feel cramped at all, but the actual floor area it wasn't very much at all. So I hope you enjoyed that. Do go and check out. They've got some great images on their website, uh, boxliving.co.nz. And they also have a YouTube, which I've linked up to in the show notes. That's homestylegreen.com slash 69. And Dan, I forgot to ask him during the episode, but we were talking after the show. Dan's favorite book is a good one, which I think has been mentioned on the show here before, Design Like You Give a Damn. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. That's it from me for this week. I hope you enjoyed that. Please do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you about this show or others. And also, if you are in the process or just starting out designing your own home, just throwing around some concepts maybe, get in touch. love to hear from you. I have some services available now on the website, uh, ranging from free through to a bit of a, a design analysis, including checking out how much your power bills might be or what sort of heating you might need, if any, in fact. So uh, check those out, homestylegreen.com. would love to hear from you. Thanks very much, and until next time, this is Matthew Cutler-Welsh. Go make a better place to live. 